because I have a message that I was preparing this week. And then yesterday, Steve and Marianne were hosting. Um, this is happening now a couple times in a row where I've been kind of working on a message for Sunday, and then something happens in my life where I encounter some other unrelated thing that does talks about the exact same thing, kind of in the exact same way it happened last week with Pastor Robert Brown, and it's happening that happened this week again where. I feel like this is something that we are going to need to talk about probably on a quarterly basis. I don't know. We're not going to like schedule that out. But this is a very important subject for Christian people to the point that we need to bring it up a lot and we need to talk about it a lot so that we know that this exists and that we have part of this in our lives. And what it is is this message is about the necessity for a believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, okay? And if you go, I don't know what you just said and what that means, that's why I'm talking about it. We're going to explain that. And if you do, you go, yes, he's right. <laughs> and so we need to talk about this on a you know, recurring basis. But yesterday, Steve and Marianne hosted um, here. Uh, we did actually a really cool thing where we had, they did a conference here, but the speaker was Mariana, who spoke here a year and a half ago or something. I don't know. She spoke here. She's from Israel. She's from Russia. From Israel. She lives in Israel now. And she was here in person last year. But this yesterday, she actually spoke. We had a TV up here, and she spoke from Israel to us live via FaceTime. It was actually pretty cool. But the first message she gave was basically exactly what I was going to talk about to the point that I was almost like, well, maybe I'll just call her and have her do it again today, you know. But I thought, well, we'll save it. We'll do it again next time. Um, but it definitely reaffirmed to me that this is something God wanted us to talk about. And so what, what, what I mean by all of this, the necessity for a believer to be filled uh, with the Holy Spirit is that Christianity is a hard thing. You can't do it alone. God doesn't intend us to do it alone. He intends um, for the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower our lives. And I just want to make sure everybody understands this. And so, kids, I'm talking to you as well. I don't want you guys to think this is adult stuff. This is not adult stuff. This is following God's stuff. And it make, it's, uh, this is to everybody. And, <laughs> oh, we already got the message titled there. I titled this, um, that if you're living a Christian life and you're like, I feel like something's missing, I feel like I don't, have everything. I feel like I'm missing, you might say, something like lightning, fire, the power of God or something. And so that's the title of this message. And if you think you've heard that before, if you're a nerd like me, you probably have because it's actually from the movie Indiana Jones when he's talking to those guys from like the CIA or whoever they are trying to figure out why do they want the Ark of the Covenant. And then they show this picture. They're looking at this picture in a Bible um, of the Ark of the Covenant and they're like, what is all this power coming out of there? And he's like, I don't know, it's lightning, fire, the power of God, or something like that. And so in keeping with our recent tradition of having coloring sheets, I took, I, I went on the internet, and I found this image, and I printed it out as a coloring sheet, mostly because I think it's funny. It's a little extreme. It's the power of God coming out and, like, you know, waging war on behalf of the Israelites. I don't know if this is actually, this is made for the movie, so I don't know if it's actually depicting a real biblical scene, but the idea of the power, I thought, well, this is a little weird, but it's funny to me, so I'm going to, hey, I have these, we have coloring stuff in the back, so I'm going to set these on the front row, and if anybody wants to color one, should I send them, somebody, take them to the back, take them back, put them back there, by everything, no one's going to be bold enough to come up front and get one, but I have those, and I thought, this is a little extreme, because it's intense, and there's people like, ah, you know, but... I actually thought as we get into this message, you'll see how when we're talking about the Spirit of God, it's awesome, He's good, He's all this, but He's also holy. And this keeps you in remembering that in a kind of witty way. So I want to do several things. One is I want to define what the Spirit of God is, what we're talking about. 
what it means about being filled with the Spirit of God in the Bible, examples of that. What is being filled? Like, how, how, what does that mean? And how do we do that? And then some other notes about it. And I, I did start putting this together. And I started putting Bible verses in. And I told Andy this morning, I have way too many verses, which he said is not a bad thing. And I agree. But it's too long. So I'm going to try to self-edit while we go through this. And I'm not going to include everything. And like I said, we're going to preach about this more like frequently because we need to know. And so um, well, we'll cover some of this next time. But let me pray really quick because <laughs> there is too much and I'm going to have to cut stuff out. And I just want to make sure I cut out the right stuff so that we still know what we're talking about. So, Father, I pray that you would bless uh, this message, that we would hear from you. You would speak to us, that you would use it to change our lives and make us more like you. And, Lord, open our hearts to receive from you and give me wisdom to cut out whatever we don't need to talk about today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point of this I want to talk about is when we're talking about the Spirit of God, you're saying, what is that? And um, when we look at God in the Bible, you might have heard the word Trinity before, and this is the way we use, as Christians, we describe who God is. And God is the uncreated, like we're all part of creation, meaning you were made by God and everything else was made by God, but God wasn't made by anything. So if somebody says God was made by something, he's like, no, that's not God. That's something else. God is the only non-created being, and he made everything else. And you see at the very beginning um, God existing in this sort of way. And throughout the Bible, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but it's a way to describe this phenomenon that we see throughout the Bible of God existing as one being, but in three kind of distinct parts, which would be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to be focusing on the Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And how do these all relate? They're like they're all God together. So it's one, but it's also three distinct, you know, parts. And so you go, that doesn't make sense to me because how does that work? I go, yeah, okay, that's fine. It doesn't exactly make sense. Like God's infinitely bigger, infinitely more than we are, and his being is infinitely more and doesn't fit neatly into our human frameworks of understanding. So we've got this way to understand God. And it's biblical. It's not, again, like the word isn't in the Bible, but you even see Matthew 28, 19, therefore, Jesus is talking, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we see that. There's other examples. Paul's final greetings in 2 Corinthians 13, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. So this is the idea. So today we're going to be talking about the component of the Godhead is the term people would use sometimes, the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, there's a, a word, ruach, which is usually the word that's talking about the Spirit of God. And it means breath or wind or spirit. And the Bible Project, which is a cool resource online that we can all go check out, no matter what our age is, they have all these cool videos and stuff. They had a good definition of this. They said the Spirit is, first and foremost, God's personal presence. Ruach can be dis- described at Ruach can describe an invisible, powerful energy and necessary for life, making the spirit a fitting description of God. So it's kind of, the, it's the word we use to talk about God's presence, but it also can be invisible and kind of seem like a force, but it has, an, so the Holy Spirit, some people would like, would like to use a pronoun, you could say he, or these kinds of things to describe Holy Spirit, you know, because it's a being, it's not just a force, not like in Star Wars or something like that. But, it, but God's Spirit moves in ways that we might see like a force throughout the Bible. In Genesis 1, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the chaos of the waters. We're just saying that. 
as the spirit was moving over the water. So like we literally, we've been singing this. And it's a pre-creation space where the spirit of God is hovering and he's about to pour forth creation and call it good and all that sort of thing. So then we see in the Old Testament that God fills people um, predominantly to do specific tasks and jobs. Like Joseph, he fills with the spirit so he can interpret the dreams. Samson, he gives like super strong strength through the spirit of God. He fills Moses to lead. And then Joshua is filled when Moses lays his hands on him. And there's a lot of other examples. I'm just kind of paraphrasing for the sake of um, time. But then God fills his tabernacle with his spirit. You see examples of that. And so there's not exactly a clear picture of how, if there is a distinction between how God filled people in the Old Testament and how people filled people in the New Testament. Some people teach that. I'm not 100% sure that that's, I get where they're coming from, but I'm not 100% sure that's right, so we're not going to necessarily dwell on that today. But God's presence is also seen as fire, Moses in the burning bush. There's a pillar of fire that leads uh, the Israelites, Ezekiel sees a vision as fire, and the fire is used in the tabernacle, like in the instructions, not just like God's presence is a like spiritual fire that shows up, but there's also like, hey, I want you to burn these incense and I want you to burn these candles and these things. And this, all this is to represent God's presence. And it's also God's fire shows up to sh- consume things. And that needs to be remembered. <laughs> kind of like our picture here. God's fire is intense, okay? But the prophets in the Old Testament spoke of a time later when God's spirit would act more broadly or as it seems. It's kind of like what I was talking about earlier. So Ezekiel 36, we see, For I will take... You out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land, and I will sprinkle you clean. Sprinkle, oh, sorry, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from your idols, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will move from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then you see in Joel two, this. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, and even. On my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth. And it continues on. Okay? And then we see as we move into, like, the New Testament, John the Baptist's parents were filled with the spirit. and John the Baptist comes and he can make way for Jesus. And Mary is made pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And then we encounter, John the Baptist says this in Luke 3.16. John answered them all, I baptize you with water. Because John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus to come. And he's like, so he's, people are listening to him. He's calling them out like, hey, guys, repent. The kingdom of God is near. He's talking about Jesus again. And so he's, he's saying this. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, whose straps of, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's talking about Jesus there, guys. So Jesus comes to get baptized by John the Baptist at the Jordan River. And when that happens, you see this happens in Luke 3. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven came, or a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom, whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus accomplished all his works on the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. He dies on the cross, as we talked about a lot, and he's resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's alive again after having died. And he's talking to his disciples in Luke 24. He says, then he opened the minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, which he'd been telling them for a while. They didn't get it, but now that they've experienced it, they're like, oh, got it. And then he says, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Like the guy, you know, and he said, I'm going to send you 
what my father has promised. But stay into the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So he's saying, look, I've got a very important job for you to go out and tell everybody what happened. But you need to wait till you have the power to do it. Okay? And you see in Acts 1, he's continuing to talk. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this whole time, this is all setting up the same way. Like, you need this. I've done something now to purify you, and now you need this. Before you go do anything, you need this. So this is a, ne- a necessary thing for um, a believer. There's a, this verse in John 16 where it says, it's better for, Jesus says, it's better for me to go away so I can send the Holy Spirit to you and all this kind of thing. And so in Acts 2, you see that the Holy Spirit does come. They wait in Jerusalem. They start praying, the disciples, I mean, the Jesus followers. They're going to pray in the wait for this Holy Spirit to come. And then in Acts 2, you see it happen. I'm going to read when this day of Pentecost came, which was one of the feasts that we talked about. You know, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When you say other tongues, that means other languages, okay? So this is kind of odd. God, Jesus says, wait for the Spirit to come to empower you to do the thing I'm telling you to do. And like, okay, good. So they pray. And then when that happens, fire appears and goes over everybody's head, and then they can all of a sudden speak in other languages. That is weird. And you see in this almost like, you know, if you look in the Old Testament, there's a story of the Tower of Babel where um, mankind is trying to reach God on their own means. And God's like, look, we need to break this thing up and sends different languages to spread everybody back out. What you have in this is an instantaneous kind of reversal of that or ability to deal with that. Like, I'm sending you out everywhere. I'm not even just going to give you the ability to do that. It's also the beginning of the church. And they go out immediately. They start praising God in these new languages they have. And people are like... You're not able to, how do you speak the language that I'm, like, I'm from this faraway place. How do you speak the language I'm speaking? And Peter's like, hold on, everybody. It's because God did something. This is the beginning of the church. And he even quotes, when I said that thing about Joel earlier, he quotes at that moment, this is happening now, which would include till today, okay? But he's saying that's happening. Like, in Joel 2, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and they're going to do this. Like, look, (laughs) he's doing it. Like, this is accomplished. And so... So it's a very important thing. It's laid out biblically. You see in the book of Acts many examples. The power of the Holy Spirit, the need of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life to even be a believer, okay? So what is being filled? In 1 Corinthians 3, 16, you say, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that the Spirit dwells in your midst? So here's the thing. Like we have in the Old Testament, like this Ark of the Covenant picture we're looking at. That was made according to God's instruction. Even the guy who made it and the people who made this thing were said filled with the Spirit of God to do so. They build this place. They build what God says to build, the tabernacle, which is a tent, later a temple, which is a building, to put this ark in, which is the presence, represents the presence of God. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, like one time when a guy touches it, he just dies. So you can't mess around with the presence of God, you know. So then you got this verse in the New Testament where it's like, well, now you're the temple. Like you are this building in a sense, and that presence is in you. That's intense. God is saying his spirit that once had to be kept in a special place away from everybody can now dwell inside of you. So think about that. Galatians 2.20. 
I've been crucified with Christ since no longer I live, but Christ who lives within me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So what I'm talking about by being filled with the Spirit is, and I want to be clear about this, literally that same Spirit of God living inside of you. Okay? It's as clearly as I can say that. Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what does this do? You say, okay, I, I got you. I see this Holy Spirit moving throughout the Old Testament, filling people, doing things. Now Jesus has come, and then the Holy Spirit is now sent to all the believers, and I'm supposed to be filled. I get that. So what happens when that happens? What does this do? Well, it changes us, Okay. In John 16, Jesus talks about the, the Holy Spirit coming to glorify the Son. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So he guides us into truth, and he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He tells us about things that we don't know yet. And this, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that, all the, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said... The Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the Spirit coming in, he glorifies Jesus is the first thing. He also convicts us of sin, which the verse earlier that I kind of skipped over, when he talked when in John 16 also when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit comes, when he comes he will prove to the, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteous judgment. Sin and righteousness and judgment. So he convicts us of sin. So he glorifies Jesus. He convicts us of sin. He gives us the power to live a holy life. Galatians 5, 6, say that I walk. So I say I walk by the Spirit. I will not gratify the, the desires of my flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit is contrary to the flesh. He gives us revelation about understanding things in um, 1 Corinthians 2. And he seals us. He gives us a sense. You know, when you would send a letter back, then you would put the seal on it. And then when someone would get it, the seal was still there, and you would break that seal. It's like you still see this on, like, electronics today. Like, when you get something, all times they'll have, like, a sticker thing on it. So if you're like, you know, you can, you can open your PlayStation, but once that piece of tape's busted, Sony's going to be like, you open this thing. I'm not fixing it. <laughs> Someone's been fiddling around in there, you know. The same sort of thing happened back then, but the seal would have, like, my face or name on it. And then when you got it from me, you go, okay, nobody's messed around with this thing yet. And in a way, in Ephesians 1, the Bible talks about us being sealed. By, so we have a sense that we know that we are born again. Okay? It also gives us gifts for ministry. This is really important because God basically says to the disciples and to us, hey, I've got this really important thing for you to do, to be my people in the world and tell everybody the good news about Jesus. And you're like, okay, and do all this other great stuff. And you're like, I can't do any of what you just said. Like, that's not possible. <laughs> and he's like, well, don't worry. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to do that with you. In 1 Corinthians 12, you see this. Therefore, different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are, there are different kinds of working, but all of them, but in all of them and in, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So it's not just for our own good. It's for everybody's good. To, the, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and 
and still to another the interpretation of those tongues and all of these work of the same one spirit and he who distributes them. And so I'm reading ahead to see what I need to cut out here. Um, so we see that the types of, of work that God has for us to do um, are powered by the Holy Spirit. There's other lists in the New Testament that also talk about, like, you know, helping people and things like that. But all of this stuff is powered by the Holy Spirit. Um, and in these more miraculous ones, like this one literally lists miraculous powers. You know, prophecy, speaking about things that you don't, you couldn't know, talking on behalf of God, things like that. You know, speaking in other tongues and praying and for healing and stuff like that. This is stuff that only God can do. So that's the whole point. It's not us doing it. It's God doing it through us. We're, we're allowing him to work through us, this kind of thing. And uh, he also brings into our life what we call the fruit of the Spirit. So that when we live this life, this is how you get to this. We've talked about this recently, but it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. This says forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then it keeps going about the same thing. So the idea is that like, when we have a spirit-filled life, it's defined by these qualities. So if your life lacks love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, or any one of those, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Pretty simple stuff. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it also gives us the power, the Holy Spirit also gives us the power to share Jesus with others in meaningful ways. Yesterday, Mariana made a list very similar to this, and I just wrote down hers. Um, she said when she got baptized in the Holy Spirit, she noticed these things happened. Like, Jesus became alive to her. It wasn't just like this character in a book. Like, oh, Jesus is like, real, like Jesus is real, you know. Um, she could love other people. The scriptures also came alive. Worship, she couldn't help but worship who God, you know, worship Jesus. And she had a desire to tell everybody about it. And the resurrection of Jesus became a real and central thing to her life. And she told a story of this. She said, when I was um, young, before, I, and I, had known who Je- I knew who Jesus was. And I understood he loved me and saved me, and that was great. And I was on my way to a church meeting, and I was on a train. And I hated everybody that was around me because they were all annoying. And she said there was a lot, she was like in Russia and there's like you have to ride the subway and everybody is pressing. And she's like, I'm just so annoyed by all these people. I wish they would get away from me. And then she went to a, a church service and encountered the Holy Spirit. It filled her. He filled her, whatever, however you want to say it. You know, we don't need to get caught up in that. Um, she was filled with the Holy Spirit and she rode back on the same train. <laughs> and she said the same annoying people were there, but she loved them. She's like, these people need the Lord. And she said, that's not something I could do. She's like, I literally hated them on the way there. And I love them on the way back. And that is the kind of stuff that God does. That's Holy Spirit power. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. Total perfect example of it. So the main picture I want you to see biblically is this. Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice that we just sang about. And that we accept on our, you know, from him as a gift purifies us of sin and makes us ready to receive the Holy Spirit within us. This Holy Spirit that dwelled in the temple, God had to separate it because holiness means separate and it's pure. And when it encounters impurity, things die, like the guy reaching out and touching it. You see what I'm saying? So you need the purification of Jesus to be ready to receive the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing is we repent of sin. 
that we, we, we say to Jesus, like, I have sinned and fallen short, Lord, and I need you to wash me clean. Like he said in the earlier scripture, I'm going to send water to clean you and put a new spirit within you. So the first part, how do we do this? How do we be filled with the spirit? I think this is a good idea. I want to be filled. First is repent. Repent of the sins. And then in the, the Bible, we see at least three ways that I wrote down of, of um, ways that this kind of being filled with the Spirit occurs. Jesus breathes on his disciples, okay? In John 20, you see that. Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus is doing it that way, don't think you should say that's the wrong way to do it, all right? Now, because of COVID, we won't be doing that today. Um, <laughs> The second way we see is, which is what we will do today, is the laying on of hands. You see in Acts 8, you see throughout Acts and other places. Like I said, Moses lays his hands on Joshua and says the Spirit filled him. But in Acts 8, you see that Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So it's literally like when we lay on hands and we're praying for people, God uses that in some sort of transactional way to fill other people with the Holy Spirit. Again, it has nothing to do necessarily with the people doing the praying. It has all to do with God's Spirit and his activity. And then the third one I wrote down was God just kind of doing it as an answer to prayer. <laughs> and you see that in Acts 2. They're following his instructions. Nobody laid any hands on anybody. The Holy Spirit just came. Or Jesus with the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And um, You see another example in Acts 4 where these guys, now they're empowered. They step out into the world, and not everybody's ready for that because it upsets people. It upsets people in the world that have power get upset when... True believers in Jesus aren't under their power anymore. That doesn't mean like disrespecting and rude and mean to the leaders of our world. That's against the Bible too. But I mean like if they're trying to control you and you're like, yeah, I'm just not afraid of you anymore, that freaks people out. And that happened a lot in the early, you can read in Acts. They're not doing anything wrong. They're doing good things. They're setting people free, but the people that don't want those people set free get mad about that. There's times where they free a girl who's literally demon-possessed. They free her and they're like, that was how we were making money. We're going to like sue you. You know, this kind of stuff. We look at that and go, what in the world are you talking about? But one of the times they get into a bunch of trouble, they start to pray to God. They say, they're reminding God of all these threats they're dealing with. And they say, in Acts 4, it says this, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your words. They're not backing down. They're like, we're going to jail and stuff. But we're not going to give up because it's hard. (laughs) We just need God to give us power. So stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's what they asked God for after coming out of jail. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Now. You don't go, those people are so much better than us. <laughs> They're not. They're just the way we are. They just knew who to ask. And the meeting place shook, literally shook. We should not be surprised when God does things like this because he does them throughout the whole Bible. You think if God can make the whole world, he can't shake this building? I mean, come on. It's just not logical to think this way. We do a lot, but, you know, I do want to address two other things quickly. People that have heard about this before, we say like baptized in the Holy Spirit or something like that. They get into, I don't want to like dwell on this because I don't know if a lot of us even care, but some people get in a really big debate if you've been around church for a while. Well, like, does that happen when I convert and follow Jesus? Or is this like a second act that happens later? Like, do I get baptized in water 
and later baptized in the Holy Spirit, or does it happen altogether? So people really, really care about that and really, really fight about that. I'm going to say, is it now or later? My answer is yes. Because there's biblical examples of both. I think if you say it must happen separately, I don't think you can make that argument. And if you say it must happen here when you get converted, I don't think you can make that argument either. It does, and it also happens separately. And I could go through all these examples I wrote of, uh, of the differences, but it doesn't matter. I don't think we're really suffering with that. But if somebody ever comes at you with that kind of thing, like, this is not something available. Like, if you're already saved, you got all you need. Keep on, brother. You're like, well, no. Okay? The other thing is this. I want to talk about really quick is the idea of the Bible calls quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. This is really strange stuff. When we talk about the Holy Spirit that's powerful enough to just destroy mountains and whatever, how in the world could we stop that? But you've got these verses that you have to kind of, uh, to kind of reckon with. Ephesians 4, 28-32, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Anybody have any problems with that? <laughs> uh, okay. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Man. That's instructions, guys. That it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Some of y'all need to write that down. That's Ephesians 4, 28 to 32. I want to paint that on the other side of the wall. We got our, we've got our main verse here, 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, but we need a second wall of Ephesians 4, 28 through 32. Write that down, guys. But then also this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. For some reason, God, who could destroy everything, He can do anything He wants, allows us to limit His activity in our lives. So I don't want that. God's like, okay. And He's saying, don't do that. <laughs> That's a bad idea. <laughs> I don't know why he lets us do that. I think it's out of love. He's not going to force himself upon us in any way that's not that we don't ask for. But at the same time, he allows us to do that. So don't. Don't do that. And the last thing is this, especially when we go back to, like, these examples of, you know, uh, is this now or is this later. In Ephesians 5.18, you see this. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead... Be filled with the Spirit. There's a couple things you could take away from this. One, the first and most important thing is this, that this be filled actually more accurately translated would say be in the place where you're being filled. Like be, be, be filled continually, not be filled once. Okay? So when we talk about like the baptism of fire, this is a continual need in a believer's life. If y'all remember, Pastor Jeff stood up here with a cup that had a bunch of holes in the bottom of it, and he was talking pouring the Spirit of God in it, and it would leak out the bottom. You like, you need more, because you're pouring out, or you're leaking because you're not, you know, all together. 
It's a bee being filled sort of thing. He's also comparing it to drunkenness, which people get drunk on wine, or he could say nowadays they might go like, don't get high on weed. This leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And it, The thing is, like, it's not necessarily like talking a whole lot about alcohol or weed specifically, but the point is, why do people do this stuff? You get drunk or you get high to kind of numb whatever's going on. I get it. We all get it. I mean, we're going to act like, oh, I would never. You know. Of course, <laughs> you're like, I need, this, is, this life, this world is freaking me out. I need something to, like, numb it all down. I can handle it now. And he's like, no, you don't need that anymore. Be filled with the Spirit. You've got a better choice here. You know, don't be doing all that stuff. It's not, it doesn't work. All it does is, you know, lead to debauchery. And so one other thing that Marianne said was that, that, that all of this great stuff, miracles, the life of God, being able to love other people that are jerks, all this sort of stuff is awesome that the Spirit poured out on us, allows us to do. But it doesn't, God doesn't just do this for the sake of making us feel good. He does this so that, like John the Baptist, we prepare the way for Jesus. And he makes it possible for us to do it. And I thought of two examples. I don't think we have time to go through them all, but I'll just touch one really briefly. The Lord highlighted to me this idea of when Moses and Aaron were doing their work in the Old Testament, which we're coming up on Passover, which talks about Moses. He's like, you're going to go set these people free, and your brother's, you know, and brother's going to help you. And they do all this crazy stuff, you know, these you know, miracles happen, darkness comes, there's plagues, all sorts of, you know, the the sea is split, all these sort of things. Well, Aaron, during all of this, Moses' brother, they both have a staff or a rod that they carry around. And, you know, it's like a walking stick or, I don't know, they beat off animals. They use it for all kinds of stuff. But then God's like, let's use that to do some stuff. And one of the examples is God's starting to prove who he is to Pharaoh. And one of the examples he gives them, he has... Aaron is like, throw the stick down, and it turns into a snake. So it's a wooden stick. It turns into a snake. Should wake us all up, right? Pharaoh's like, nah, that's not any big deal. My, my guys can do that. He's got some kind of sorcerers. I don't know how they're doing it. They do the same thing. So I see this as, <laughs> bear with me a little bit. You're the stick, all right? I'm the stick. We're all the stick. You had, you had it going on for a while. You got cut down. You're not so great anymore. Maybe you can do some things. You can help somebody walk around. You're not turning into a snake, all right? Well, God's got that power within you. He throws you down, turn into a snake. You're like, man, this is God. And the world goes, we could do that. And they do. And that's weird. And almost in past, see, Pharaoh's like, no, nothing to see there. I got that. He, like, walks away. Not, and I don't know, I'm adding that he walks away. But then the god snake, Aaron's rod, eats the other snakes. Remember I told you about, there was a verse, I'm not going to go dig around and find it, that the Holy Spirit is going to prove to the world they're wrong about sin and judgment. This is God's territory here, but he's going to use us in strange ways to do that. Well, anyway, Aaron keeps his rod, and they get him and sings. After he eats the other snakes, I don't, know, I don't understand all of this, all right? But he's got it again, and he's got it later, and they get in trouble again later where they have the, uh, um, the people of Israel fighting, and people want these things. You're not more special than we are, and da 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 and all this kind of thing. And to settle this argument, God says, all right, bring a staff from everybody, and I'm going to show you who my people, my guy is, the people I want to be, the priests, and it's Aaron's family. So they lay these sticks down. 
And this Aaron's rod, it says buds. So it's like it's a stick. It's not alive. And then all of a sudden, growing out of it the next day are branches, leaves, flowers, and almonds, I think it says. It's an almond stick. And they're like, okay, that's the guy. <laughs> so again, you're the stick. And if God was like, I need, you read through the Bible, and you go, I need you to be able to do these amazing things. How about you sprout almonds and sprout leaves again? And you go, I'm not dead. And he's like, they keep this thing. In the New Testament, Paul even talks about like they saved it and they put it with that ark. They're like, I'm going to remember this. This is, this is not a little thing that God's done here. What I want you to see is that in your life, like Mariana, you know who Jesus is. We know who God is. We know all of this, but we can't seem to do any of it right. The Holy Spirit living and dwelling in you and filling you and being filled again is how we do this. And from that life can spring forth anything. They could turn us into a snake that can eat all the other snakes. It can also sprout new life, new growth, as if nothing's ever happened. He could do whatever. We don't need to limit anything. When Jesus, Kevin, I need you to pray for me. So um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time here to repent. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to implore you. I know a lot of times our church culture is very like, yeah, I like all that. That's all really good. And I'm not going to do anything. I need you to really consider doing something here. I've invited Steve and Marianne. I've invited Kevin. I'll be down here. And we want to lay hands on each other to say, we need more of your spirit, Lord. And it's right. Be being filled by this laying on of hands. Fill us. Fill these people, Lord. Fill everyone here. Fill everyone online. And I want to see that transformation happen in our lives. It's happened to me, and it's happened to me more than once. When I was young, and I, was, I knew who God was, I had been filled with the Holy Spirit, and I still was struggling tremendously at this given moment with depression and all these sorts of things. And God decided to use the moment, I've talked about this before, when I walked into the sanctuary at a church in Pensacola called Brownsville Assembly of God that was having a revival, and I walked through the threshold of the door, he chose that moment to just take it completely away. I didn't ask for it, I wasn't expecting it, but God did it, and it was absolutely real. Did my life change forever? In one sense, yes. Did I, I was different from that point forward, absolutely. Did I struggle again? Absolutely. You see this, Jesus it comes out of the river. The Holy Spirit dove comes down and says, this, and he's filled with the Spirit. This is my son who I'm well pleased. And you look in Luke 4. This is literally what happens next. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. <laughs> For 40 days, he was tempted by the devil. You need this because that's your life too. This is not something like, and I lived happily ever after and never struggled again. That's just not true. You need the Holy Spirit so that you can make it through. And so what I want to invite you to do is to, when they're singing songs, come forward. Let Steve and Marianne, let Kevin, let me lay hands on you. And we're just going to pray, Lord, fill them with your spirit. 
So pray this with me. Father, I ask that you would forgive us of our sins, Lord. And take a moment and and speak to him. Tell him what you're sorry for in your life. Tell him what he brings. He's going to bring things to mind. Share them with him. Say, Lord, I apologize for that. And Lord, I ask that you would send your cleansing water to wash us clean. Father, we repent of the things that we have done that displease you. The the scripture we read said the desires of the flesh. Lord, we repent for living in, in these desires. Lord, and I pray that we would live lives that are filled with your spirit. And Lord, now as we stand and come forward to have hands laid on us as you modeled in your word, Lord, I pray that you would fill us and that we would be known as people that are being filled. Even if people mistake us as drunk, that we're drunk on your spirit. And let the gifts that you pour into us be used for your purposes and the blessing of your body and each other. Give us boldness to, to, to work in the ways you've called us to. But also, Lord, let those fruits, the fruit of the spirit that we talked about, the love, joy, peace, patience, we all need patience right now. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all, all this gentleness, self-control. Lord, let those be hallmarks of our lives. Every single one of us, down to the youngest in this room. Steve, Marion, why don't you come over here? And so during this next, we're going to take a little bit of time and worship here. And I want you to take a moment and consider um, this offering that God is giving to you. You cannot make it as a Christian on their own. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to experience that. And we're going to do this today by the laying on of hands as it's modeled in the Bible. And we'll pray for you that God would fill you. We're just going to say more. Lord, fill them with this, your spirit. And we just ask the Lord for the more of that in Jesus' name. So come forward during this music and then we'll, we'll pray and we'll go. But we'll be different.